is the question for tonight, friends. What is in your wallet? If you are right now listening to my voice in the U.S. of A on KHFX 1140 AM or on republicbroadcasting.org, the answer is probably those funny little green slips of paper that are issued by the Federal Reserve and Chairman Helicopter Ben Bernanke himself in the name of quantitative easing, that uh, funny green confetti that they rain down from the heavens in order to quantitatively ease America into the next stage of the financial collapse and to keep things moving along sideways as they continue to churn out those pieces of paper that pass for money. Or if you are like myself here in Japan, those pieces of paper would probably be these, these Japanese yen. And I have, uh, I have 2,000 Japanese yen in my wallet. Wow. Trust me, it's not as much money as you might think that is. But uh, yes, these little funny pieces of paper, very much like the Federal Reserve notes that a lot of you have in your wallet, again, issued by a central banking authority, at, and uh, really for the benefit of the banksters at the very top, at the expense of the people down below. And if you are unfortunate enough to be listening to my voice in the European economic zone that is currently crashing and burning, in such uh, incredible style, well, then you will know all too well what you have in your wallet, which are those increasingly worthless, funny pieces of colored paper that bear the euro imprint on them and that are issued, well, by the local national uh, current uh, national banks, but, of course, at the behest of the European Central Bank. And that is an even further layer of abstraction from the types of notes that most of us have in our wallet, And it goes even further up the food chain to people who are even further away physically and uh, financially from the people at the bottom who have to use those pieces of paper to conduct their everyday transactions. So although it's not something that we ever give very much thought to, if at all, it is something that is an extremely important question. What is in your wallet? How do you use what is in your wallet? And why do we accept these little pieces of paper as being the only monetary instruments of any value? Clearly, this should not be the case if we're interested in instituting a system that is more decentralized, that is less dependent on central bankster authority, and more about how do we get off of their system that they have created for us, the financial enslavement grid, and start to create something that can benefit us at the local community level and in our own everyday lives in a way that actually fosters and promotes growth and development instead of taking it away. It's something that uh, Paul Grignon, for example, has pointed out, a previous guest on this program and the creator of the Money as Debt series of uh, documentary films. No builder has ever stopped building a house because of a shortage of inches. So why on earth do people stop transacting in the marketplace because of a shortage of these funny slips of paper? Clearly, this is not what the economy should be all about, and it should not be the only form of legal tender. There should not be that type of monopoly system putting that in place, meaning that uh, that everyone has to carry those in order to pay their taxes and be good citizens, i.e. corporate slaves. So tonight we're going to be exploring the idea of alternative currencies and the idea that there is a way outside of this system. And we have a guest lined up to talk about that very subject. We're going to be exploring the history of alternative currencies. We're going to look at some specific examples of local currencies, how they work, 
how they can work, and what you can be doing in your own area to get off of the financial system that they have created that is in the process of crashing and burning as your fiat Federal Reserve notes are being turned into toilet paper even as we speak. Once again, you are tuned into Corbett Report Radio, and I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. We're going to take a break, but after the break, we'll be back with our guest to talk about local alternative currencies. Radio friends, here we are on this Independence Day evening for those of you in the United States, celebrating a different type of independence, or at least another possible type of independence, monetary independence. And that's not something that we necessarily think of in those terms, but it's every bit as important as the other forms of independence that we celebrate and think about on this July 4th. So tonight, we're honored to be joined on the line by someone who has been thinking and researching into these issues. He's an Internet entrepreneur, and uh, his name is Eol Herzog. So, uh, Eol, it's great to have you on the program. Thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) Great to be here. All right. Well, this is a very broad topic, and uh, it's a topic that doesn't necessarily even enter into the consciousness of a lot of people. We just tend to, as I say, take these bits of funny green pieces of paper for granted and don't really think about where they're coming from or why we're using them. So perhaps we can start by introducing the topic and why is it important to be thinking about currency in general? Um, I think uh, this is quite a fascinating question because uh, uh, there is a very good an- analogy that I like to use, uh, which I think um, all your listeners are very familiar with, and it's the analogy of communication. Um, we are exchanging ideas as human beings. We're using the tool called language, and we exchange product uh, between ourselves. And we use a variety of tools. We can use uh, butter, and we can use another tool, which is called currency, that help us overcome the technical barriers of butter. And uh, we use that in order to exchange the products, our realized ideas, if, if you will. And uh, we have, in the last 10 years, I like to say, increasingly become more and more independent in the tools that we use in order to exchange our ideas. So, you know, when I was a kid, there was only one TV channel, and that was my external connection to the outside world. It was government-controlled. Uh, as well as uh, everyone around me who had the same channel in their home, and this, you know, this actually dictated what we would know and what we wouldn't know. Today, obviously, we have uh, many video sites, and you know, a lot. We have this thing called the internet that help us exchange ideas in the format of audiovisual uh, formats. This is this is very very different. All of a sudden, we don't need the government-sponsored uh, TV channel because we produce our own TV. 
Now, this form of independence has proven to be very beneficial for, for everyone, and, and everyone is increasingly using that form. Now, in, in the very same way, we are today limited, limiting ourselves to cooperate with each other, with our close environment, with, with people in our own community. We are limiting ourselves to communicate and to cooperate with them only with the tool that was provided to us by the government, which is uh, the, the, the government-printed fiat currency. And this gives the government huge power. It gives them absolute power because if we are limiting ourselves to use that particular tool that they provided, then they can, uh, you know, they control it completely. And interestingly enough, uh, there is there is a very simple three questions that everyone should ask himself whenever he decides to use a tool such as a currency. And the question is, uh, who accepted? How is it issued? And in some cases, and not in all, all cases, how it is destroyed. This is a very simple three questions that everyone should ask. Now, uh, currently, in the culture that we live in today, people ask only the first question. Who accepted? So we know that, you know, U.S. dollars are accepting the United States and shekels are accepting Israel. So we know that. We know that a specific uh, gift certificate accepted by a specific chain or network, we, we know these kind of things, but we have um, you know, very little idea about, most people have very little idea about how uh, currency is issued and how it is dis destroyed if, if, if it is. And the second thing that is important to understand about each currency is whether it is centralized or decentralized, which is a very, very critical question and, 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 and you know, critical property of each currency. Because if it is centralized, it means that if it is um, a fiat currency, it means that someone controls that currency. It could be a group. It can be a benevolent group. I mean, it doesn't mean that the currency is, 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 is a bad currency. There are many uh, examples of great currencies that were controlled by a specific group and used to, to the benefit of the group. But there is another kind of currency, which is a currency that is completely decentralized, meaning that there is no one controlling it. A good example is gold or silver or Bitcoin. There's no single authority that control those specific, uh, particular currencies. Uh, there's good things about it and bad things about it. I mean, there's advantages and disadvantages because... For a decentralized currency that no one controls, it can be used as exchange mechanism, but it can lead to hoarding, and people can accumulate more and more of it. It depends on the system and the culture that it's being used on. However, you don't need to trust anyone, so so that that is an advantage. You can use that kind of currency with anyone in the world. Anyone can, can choose to use it because no trust is required. And the other type of currency, which is a centralized currency, which is a, a currency that, that, is, that can be issued, whether it's papers that are printed or virtual currency that is just issued 
virtually, electronically. Uh, the other kind of currency is totally dependent on the group that manages it. So that if, if the group is using that currency, uh, for example, creating it not by debt, but by value, what I mean by that is that new, uh, new money enters the circulation not when someone takes a loan, but when a project that benefits the community takes place. So, for example, if the community decides to build a road, so they will issue that currency in order to pay to those people who build the road. And usually those people who build the road, those are the kind of people that use the money that they get. So uh, uh, this stimulates the economy, and there are many examples in the past, in, uh, in Germany before World War II, uh, Canada in the 30s, uh, United States with a green back. Uh, the movie Secret of Oz, that actually I got a recommendation specifically from you, uh, is, is, making, is, is doing a really good job on, on, on kind of describing the historical precedence and, and the value of using fiat currency uh, for the benefit of the community, for the benefit of the people. And there are many, many examples to do that. Well, that's right. And, and let's go back to those three questions that you, you pose as uh, questions that we should be asking about any currency. So the first one is who accepts it, the second one who creates it, and the third one, how is it destroyed? Important things to think about, but as you say, most people only think about who accepts the, uh, the currency. And of course, in, for example, the United States context that most of the listeners will be in, it's just uh, U.S. dollars. Of course, the uh, Federal Reserve notes are what is just taken for money. So it, it's not even something that people think about on that level. But But I want to start exploring some of the alternative ideas tonight, but before we leave what, what is the current paradigm and what most people are familiar with, perhaps we should flesh that out and continue asking those two questions about Federal Reserve notes, for example. Uh, who creates them and how are they destroyed? That's right. Um, in effect, when we're talking about uh, the Federal Reserve note, most of uh, the money that is added to circulation is created by private institutions. There are banks. Now, there is a conflict here because those banks are essentially uh, providing a public service when issuing the currency, uh, using, using that currency, the group uh, of individuals should cooperate with each other, is essentially a, a public service but those institutions are for profit. So whenever someone takes a loan, essentially this is an event where the bank is able to add, uh, add more money to the circulation. And in this uh, event, uh, money is created out of nowhere again. This is fine to be able to create money out of nowhere. There's nothing inherently wrong about that. But in that case, when you create it using a loan, obviously uh, the society runs into the problem that there is not enough money in circulation to pay back all the loans because, because every created dollar is created uh, by a loan and has to be paid back with an interest. Now, this is a very similar situation to what I hear about uh, um, you know, Ivy League universities in the United States 
where uh, your grade is dependent on other students. So if you do well, it necessarily means that someone else would do not that well because you did better. Exactly. And of course, the benefits to such a system always flow to those who are creating the money, the first users and first adopters of that money. But the people at the bottom of the food chain end up getting, uh, getting the, the short end of the stick, shall we say. Exactly right. Well, we're coming up against a break, so let's stop and collect our breath. But we will be back talking about alternative currencies once again with Ayol Herzog. And uh, we will be back right after this break. Here on Corbett Report Radio on this 4th of July, talking about a different form of independence. It's talking about possible monetary independence and getting off of the the funny money that uh, unfortunately has been created for us in this uh, this economic paradigm that we've been thrust into because of the currency that underlies it all. And we've been talking a little bit about the system as it exists right now, for example, in the American context with the Federal Reserve notes and Federal Reserve Bank. But there are other possibilities out there. There are, in fact, many, many different possibilities and many different currently functioning alternative currencies that people should be at least aware of. So we are going to explore some of that tonight. But, uh, but y'all, perhaps we should start by talking about some historical examples of, of local currencies, alternative currencies of different types, because it's important to understand that this is not a revolutionary concept. It's been done before many, many times. And in preparation for tonight's episode, you pointed to a very interesting example from the small Austrian town of Vorgel or Vorgel. I'm not exactly sure. Vorgel, perhaps. I'm not sure of the pronunciation of that. But it is an interesting little historical example. Perhaps you can tell the listeners about that. Yeah, sure. Um, this is a fascinating example that um, I've learned from, um, I forgot his name, but um, someone who managed an active and uh, uh, local currency in the uh, United States, and he was in the interview, and he told me about it, that example. Obviously, I, I didn't learn about it in school, and it's a fascinating example because this is a little town, a few thousand people, uh, in the midst of a great economic depression in uh, 1932. They decided to issue their own currency that they accepted as uh, taxes and, and for services. So when you accept an alternative currency for as, as you know, a way to pay taxes, you automatically give it value immediately. And uh, what they did is they decided that this currency is going to have a negative interest, which is a very smart decision because you know, when you put merchandise on the shelf, the value of the merchandise goes down as time goes by. So actually, it's, it's a good parallel to have a currency that loses, in their case, 1% per month, something like that. And um, they, dis- they, they planned on issuing like 36,000 uh, units. Uh, each one is worth one shilling, which was the current uh, uh, currency that they were using. And uh, they ended up issuing only 12,000 because... Uh, the negative interest made it so that people used the currency as soon as they got it. And the circulation was eight times higher 
than the average circulation for this particular, uh, for, for the uh, uh, government, uh, comparing to the government currency. The, the Austrian so, shillings, right? Exactly. It was eight times higher. And within a period of less than a year, the unemployment just gone, uh, uh, it, it was extingu extinguished completely. And people have started to enjoy real prosperity because it improved the efficiency of their corporation as well as encouraged local commerce and you know, using less and less of external services by, you know, today you can, you can call it all the big network that actually draw money outside of the community and take it to the big pockets. This is a, creating a situation of more self-sustaining community that uses its own money to provide each other's needs. And the result was just staggering because, you know, every, everyone noticed it, uh, all the towns around it started to use actually Virgil's currency themselves and started to work on plans how to, how they will create their own currency. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in the meantime, every other town in Austria was still suffering from, from that depression. Now, there was a sad ending to that story because uh, the central bank of Austria noticed it and essentially, you know, brought 40 or something business people and, and, and you know, the, the, the heads of the town into trial, showing them the option to go to jail or to stop doing what they're doing. And given that those are uh, wealthy individuals, they didn't want to go to jail. I guess it was a nice place then as, as, as it is today. And uh, that's ended it. That was the end of it. Now, I think well, as, as you then, say, as you say, it was a sad ending, but it's also instructive because it wasn't just the central bank that was opposing it. It was also the socialists who were deeply opposed to this experiment because what it did was undermine that central authority. And of course, one of the key planks of the Communist Manifesto and socialism in general is that central authority that a central bank provides. So, uh, so I think that's uh, that's instructive and should tell us something about the the types of people who want that type of collective power. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Uh, I think that you know today we are we're left to choose between different people that are just proposing different manners of controlling us, and uh, you know obviously the answer is that we don't need anyone uh, to control us. This is actually connect well with the uh, yesterday's uh, episode. I believe it was yesterday of Corbett Radio about about the governments and the idea of governments, and it's the same. Uh, it's the same thing when we're talking about money. It's an idea that we think that, you know, uh, we have to believe it and we have to use it and there's no other way. But when we take responsibility to ourselves, it, it's called the Volvo miracle because that, that, that's what it was. It was like a miracle that just improved the economy so fast. That's right. Exactly right. Well, let's take another short break. We'll be right back chatting about alternative currencies right after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio, friends. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And tonight we're talking to Ayal Herzog, uh, an Internet entrepreneur who has been studying alternative currencies and their history and how they can be used to empower the people rather than to enslave them financially, like unfortunately so many of our monetary systems are these days. And if you would like to get in and contribute to tonight's conversation, the phone lines are open. 1-800-313-9443, 1-800-313-9443 will get you up and on the air. But let's return to our conversation. We just uh, discussed the very interesting example of Vogel in uh, Virgil in uh, 1930s Austria and how they circumvented the Austrian uh, central bank and their shillings with a, a local currency that did remarkably well until it was shut down by the authorities, as unfortunately is predictable enough. But uh, that doesn't mean that that's a, a wasted example. I think it's a good example of what is possible when we start to think outside of the box in terms of currencies. So, y'all, let's pick up from there and let's start talking about some some more, uh, not not just recent examples, but examples that are currently ongoing. I understand you've been doing some research, for example, into Brixton Pounds and the Volos Tem system and other such systems. So let's start talking about some local currencies that are currently in operation. <laughs> so... Um, of course, uh, local currencies are just uh, popping out everywhere. It's beautiful uh, to, to, to see it. It's like a flowering because people are realizing that they can do it so much um, easier today than before thanks to um, also to the digital means that everyone has. And uh, it used to be a complicated thing that you needed to... Uh, print notes and make make it so that it's hard to uh, <coughs> uh, to copy them so it, it was really a, a big challenge to create a currency but today it could be as simple as, as, as issuing a digital command and voila you created your own currency that can be managed online and and, and people can extend that currency to the offline, but the heart of it is online, and all the accounting is done essentially online, which is a very, very uh, good news for everyone that wishes to create a virtual currency. Now, um, the Brixton example is a great example because it is essentially a neighborhood in London, uh, which is, in, I could say, a poor neighborhood, and they have decided to create this currency that is exchangeable with pounds. So you can take pounds and buy Eastern pound, and you can also uh, create, uh, um, you, you can actually redeem those Brixton pounds into pounds whenever you want. So that means that everyone is very um, welcoming, I mean, everyone can accept it, no one should worry about accepting it. It is essentially an advantage to use it uh, in order to, uh, inside, a, inside the community because uh, people do not, do not have to pay banking fees. You can actually pay with SMS. And again, when you pay with a credit card, you pay 3 to 5% fees, so businesses are very happy that they don't need to pay those fees anymore. And, uh, you know, they're happy to, to pay their employees part of their salary with this currency because their employees are going to use this currency in the neighborhood to drink coffee, or to get a haircut, or whatever that, uh, that, that be. So this is a great example of how a community chooses to uh, keep 
the money inside the community. Now, when you think about if more and more people are using bricks and pounds every day, so the deposit of pounds is getting bigger and bigger and not really used because, because people are not using the government money in the community to cooperate. So they almost they don't need the money that they used to 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 uh, uh, in the past. They don't need it anymore, and this means essentially that this money can partially actually be used in order to acquire things from outside the community into the community. And they're looking forward potentially to disconnect the currency someday from the pound and make it an independent currency. So this is essentially a neighborhood that is taking control and saying, you know, we can cooperate by ourselves. And that's what they did. And it's a very, very nice example. There are many videos online. There's a lot of uh, the platform that they're using in order to run this currency is open source. So essentially everyone can use it uh, and, and, and install it and, you know, operate it in his own community. It's actually a pretty simple task. Uh, well, let's let's stop for a moment and let's let's flesh out a couple of those issues because I know there will be a lot of people who are listening to this who hear things about digital transactions and d- digitally accounted uh, currency and are going to start having the types of uh, pause for thought that I think they should have when they hear that type of thing. Of course, we know that uh, right now the the Federal Reserve notes and the other systems around the world are s- switching to a cashless uh, uh, society. They want to get rid of cash as much as possible to try to limit people's economic freedom and to increase the uh, the type of tracking and surveillance that can be done with that. So if we have systems of alternative currencies that themselves are uh, exist essentially online, uh, doesn't that mean that these economic instruments are trackable and traceable down to the level of each instrument and where it goes and who buys what? Uh. No, no, it doesn't mean that necessarily because, um, for example, Bitcoin is a, is, is a great example of that. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. It's only online. And if used in a smart way, it can be completely anonymous. Uh, no one will ever know that you are the owner of a specific Bitcoin wallet. Essentially, the way it works is that everyone has... Uh, you can call it a, a private key, a private key which is essentially a file that you can put on your uh, disk, you know, like a USB drive, or and, and it can be encrypted with a password that uh, only you know, which is in your head. So in order to steal your money, someone has to hack into your brain. And no one knows that you are the owner of that particular file. It's your file. And using this file, you can issue a digital signature to approve the transaction you want to make. And if you want to hide your IP address because you think that your ISP is providing it to the uh, government, you can actually use a a system like TOR, T-O-R, which is a great decentralized collaborative system uh, to let people hide their kind of online identity and, and you know every every piece of information is actually passing through other computers that are within the network so it's uh, hard to trace where it comes from it's a very interesting concept but if you do, if you use it that way you can work completely anonymously I mean, the, the, the advantage is... Well, that well to be fair, I mean, I, I understand about Tor and, and uh, protecting one's privacy, but I think uh, to say that Tor is completely private and untraceable is uh, 
naive. I think, uh, and I, I will put some links in because uh, I have some some good articles that have been written by people who are much more knowledgeable on this than me. But uh, but ultimately, I side with John Young of uh, Cryptome.org, who says that the idea of uh, anonymity on the internet is a complete pipe dream. Um, I would say that it's really dependent on the critical mass because if there is a community that uses um, something like Tor and it has a critical mass of of users that are not tracking each other and every packet goes through some machines that are not even keeping the log of the origin and of the packet then you can get to a situation where it's very very hard to be be, be tracked maybe it's not completely impossible but you know this is like an arm race i mean there's there's people that are building technology to provide a uh, anonymity, and there are people that are trying to hack this very technology. And uh, obviously, when you're using some, let's say, uh, a device, which is a, um, like a cell phone, that using a prepaid plan that you bought somewhere, and uh, you know, no one can actually, you know, if you bought it for, for, for cash, potentially no one can even know who is behind the device, who is using this, this end node. So I think there's many solutions, and we're going to see more and more kind of a solution coming up in, in, in the future uh, that, that can help us regain our anonymity, but obviously there are always challenges with that. So it's up to everyone. Well, well to I agree completely the idea of critical mass is, is important to this, because I think one of the ways the entire surveillance state functions, for example, is to make people feel that, oh, you can't do anything because you're always being watched. But if there are enough of us that are out there are not cooperating, uh, their systems of control won't work. And I think that works in a monetary sense as well. I think for the alternative currencies, there's a critical mass. And if enough people are using them, they truly do become a threat to that power structure. Um, I'd like to look at some other examples. For example, Volos in Greece, right there in the heart of the uh, the economic collapse in Eurozone. But we have one caller waiting on the line. So let's go to the calls. Uh, we have Lee in Wyoming. So Lee, thank you for calling in tonight. Hi, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, a little history from my area. I live down in southwest Wyoming, which is close to Utah, and when the Mormons moved into this area in the late 1800s, they set up their own economic system, um, their own script. They were uh, dabbling in communitarianism. And what was interesting is that one of the requirements the federal government made um, of them so they could enter the Union as a state, they didn't really, the federal government, didn't care about polygamy, although that was the popular um, beef against the Mormons. What the federal government cared about was they had to drop their monetary system and inherit the monetary system of the United States. So um, it, it goes back to that saying that they don't care, you know, who you vote for. They only care who, you know, they, they want the, to control the economy. So um, I guess I'd never heard of other monetary systems popping up around the world, but it sounds like this is something that communities have always tried in the past, and it's interesting to see in our day communities trying to do it too. Exactly right, and that's an interesting little bit of history that goes further to demonstrate the point that absolutely the powers that shouldn't be absolutely hate competition to their uh, their funny money that they create. So, uh, y'all, any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that they also hate competition on the information source sources that they create and they control. But, uh, you know, a tsunami of new information sources that we've seen coming in the last 10 years have proved, I think, to everyone 
that essentially the people has the power, especially with a decentral tool, like decentralized tool such as the internet. The people have the the power to just take back those, those things to, to themselves. And in the same way that we created information sources uh, that that we create and we use, we can do the same in a currency. It's a different type of of interaction. You know, when I share an idea, then you have the idea and I have the idea. We both have it. But with currency, when I move something to you, then I don't have it anymore. And now you have it. It's a different type of interaction. And, and we can use the same platform, the same infrastructure of the internet to implement this kind of transaction between us. Not just the transaction of ideas, but also the transactions of value. And this is what's happening with things like local currencies and Bitcoin and all of that. It's, 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 it's a, using the new protocol, the new value protocol. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lee, thank you for those points. So, so y'all, let, let, let's move on. Let's talk about some of the other uh, alternative currencies that are going on and how this actually affects the people, because it's one thing to just talk about this, but there are some significant effects that are being uh, managed, even, as I say, in the heart of this entire Eurozone crash that's going on right now and causing so many people to turn to increasingly desperate measures, but the uh, town of Volos, as I understand, has implemented their own system that is helping them to escape from that economic nightmare. Perhaps we can talk about that as well. Yeah, I mean, um, this, is a, this is another great example uh, of, of a local currency. Uh, they uh, used uh, actually a very simple system that uh, uses forms in which people just sign on the forms whenever they want uh, to pay. And... Uh, this is being registered on some server later on by those who manages the currency. Most businesses uh, are willing to accept percentage of a payment in that currency, which is uh, a process that you would accept when a community is transitioning from a government currency to a local currency. So in the beginning, because they're not, so not everyone is using it, then you need to kind of balance how much you're willing to receive in the government currency and the local currency whenever you get payment. But as time goes by and more services are offered for, for the local currency, you can get higher and higher percentage in the local uh, currency and hopefully use it exclusively uh, if, if that is a, a possibility for you. Now, one interesting thing about those local currencies is that people, in many cases, uh, are getting credits, actual credits, uh, which uh, actual credit, which means that they can have a negative balance and use the currency before they, uh, they acquired them. Now, you know, if we would do it on a government scale, that could be abused. But interestingly enough, um, in local, in the local level, this is hardly ever abused because this is the people that you live with. This is your community. You don't want to just, you know, stick them with a bill and run away. So people actually can get actual credit without having to provide some, you know, some deposit to back it up, uh, which is a funny idea when you think about it. 
and 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 start using the currency before they acquire it. So I think that's another great example. It is interesting, isn't it? And and in fact, that's really kind of the heart of the uh, the system that I think personally, for for my money, to use that phrase, is uh, is one of the best that I've heard of. That's the digital coin idea from uh, Paul Grignon at DigitalCoin.info, and that entire system is based on the concept of self issued credit, and uh, and basically everyone contributes what they can in the way they can and their their own currency they, their own individual currency is created from that it's a very interesting concept but i think again there are many 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 different ways to envision these types of currencies being set up and and from my perspective i think that the idea for for me is not to create one alternative or one local currency that everyone has to adopt because that's just another type of of monolithic structure that can and will eventually be abused but i think the the point here is to create many competing types of currencies that will all hopefully flourish and that people can can use different uh, currencies to, to transact to different uh, transactions in different marketplaces because of course i mean the brixton pound is great in brixton but uh, but of course people don't just buy local although that uh, it should help uh, facilitate local trade and that's a good thing but obviously we need uh, other currencies for for resolving between local currencies for example yeah, I fully agree. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, again, if we go again to the analogy of information, that we went from very few information sources to almost infinite. I mean, uh, but, but those information sources can work together in a nice way. And actually, digital currencies, they can work in harmony with each other as well. Because if your town has a, 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 a virtual or a currency, a local currency, and my town has, the towns can decide to link their currency and actually to be able to exchange and to issue new currency for that right. other currency. And Absolutely. Again, getting power away from that central level and down to the local level where it can be more effectively uh, wielded and controlled, which is obviously something that we come back to time and again. All right, we're coming up against the final break here, so let's take a, a breather and we'll be back to wrap things up talking about alternative currencies. Afghan is in Afghanistan, Vietnamese in Vietnam, Iraq is in Iraqi land, we've bombed them all. All right, friends, welcome back. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com. Tonight we've been talking about alternative currencies and the possible solutions that they offer to some of the economic quandaries that we find ourselves in. So a very fascinating conversation and unfortunately way too much to jam into one hour of radio transmission. So obviously we're going to have to leave people to continue their research on their uh, on their own on this. And uh, y'all, I'd like to get your take on on any sources of information you'd like to direct people to. But before we get to that point, is there anything else that you'd like to uh, to say about what we've been discussing tonight? Um, uh, yes, I think that the reason that I chose. Um, those alternative currencies as the main thing that I do is that I feel that within this domain there is actual and immediate um, actions that people can take beside uh, obviously increasing the awareness of everyone around them to what is going on. Uh, this is something that people can actually start doing today in their own communities. This is a call to action. And I think that when people are starting to think about alternative uh, currencies, not to mention using them, the, their minds opens up to the possibility that they can do things differently. 
And I think this is a very, very helpful uh, process for each individual to, to go through. And if there are community leaders out there, people that want to do, you know, want to um, change the, the way things are in their local communities, especially where the economic, uh, you know, are not working for the people, uh, there are so many alternatives. One, you know, one, one thing that we are, that I am involved in, so with full disclosure, is something we call AppCoin, A-P-P coin. And this particular solution is something that essentially that everyone creates, uh, SMS-based currency, so it can be used from every phone, you know, with a simple command. And you can mint a currency, and you can send, and you can receive. Uh, and, and, and you essentially get the same benefit of, of using paper, but with a digital mean, obviously without the anonymity that papers give you, but, you know, with, without the, the, the burden of, of printing it. So there's, uh, this is a, a, a solution. I think that Bitcoin is something that people can look into as a tool, as a decentralized currency that, is, uh, uh, can, that, that, that can be used worldwide with very low fields. I've been using it for a long time. I actually first heard about it in your show. So this is something that people can also look into and see how they can use it. It's so much fun to, let's say, uh, register a domain without even having to say who you are and just, you know, just send the bitcoins. You don't need to enter all the vast information that you enter with, with, with a credit card. Uh, you don't have to pay the fees. It's also uh, so much more efficient because there's no monopoly when we're talking about the alternative currency. Um, so this is a call for action for people to look up uh, and think what they can do in their community with regards to alternative currency. Agreed. And, and again, for people out there who are concerned about, for example, SMS and the lack of anonymity in that, well, uh, okay, absolutely, if that's a concern, and, and it should be for a lot of people, well, then come out there and, and invent something better yourself. The point is to think outside the box and start exploring the options. So if people are interested in checking into AppCoin, is there a website they can go to? It's uh, appcoin.org. All right. And any other sources of information you'd like to direct people to? Um, I would encourage people to um, really search uh, for Brixton Pounds. I think it's one of the most uh, advanced examples of local currency. And uh, in general, uh, you know, there's some few sites I can send you so you can post it uh, with the link of the show, some sites that actually aggregate all the activity that is uh, taking all right. place around. Well, the we're world. fresh out of time. We'll have to leave it there. Thanks for your time.